0: Hi and welcome to the Desert Heights Church weekly message where we study scripture together verse by verse. Let's jump in now for this week's message. Genesis chapter 16. Here we go. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, has not been able to had not been able to bear children for him, but she had an Egyptian servant named Hagar. So Sarai said to Abram, "The Lord has prevented me from having children. The Lord has prevented me from having children. Go and sleep with my servant. Perhaps I can have children through her. What a stinking, horrible, ridiculous idea that is. God's not keeping his covenant the way that he ought to God's not doing the impossible the way that I think that He should, so I am going to DIY this myself. Are you following? God promised descendants. Sarai says God's not giving a descendant, so I'm going to figure out a way to create a descendant. I can do this myself. I can figure this out. We don't have to wait on God to do a miracle. I know how babies are made. And so I'm just going to take care of this. I can, I'm a problem solver. I don't need to wait on God. The next text I'm reading, it's not going to change on the slide. And Abram... God's man of faith and power, standing out under the stars, believing in the promise of the Lord God Almighty. And Abram agreed with Sarai's proposal. (laughs) Oh, Lord, help us. We are in so much trouble. (laughs) So Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, the Egyptian servant, and and gave her to Abram as a wife, as a concubine. Now, the story goes on. I'm not going to read it because it's not really G-rated. It's not family-friendly, okay? This is why we put the kids in the other room. Abram sleeps with Hagar. She becomes pregnant. Hagar becomes a little snarky with Sarai, right? Because that's how women would be. I have your, hus- your husband's baby. And so nanny, nanny, boo, boo, I'm going to do whatever I want to. I'm not going to act like your servant anymore because I'm, I'm one with your husband now. So Sarai, sorry, ladies, Sarai is not one of my favorite Bible people. She sets Abram up, says, hey, sleep with my maidservant. And then whenever he does, she gets all upset and blames Abram. Abram, this is your fault. Abram. Now, Abram, in the culture being the patriarch of the family, it really was his responsibility. But here he is again, being a spineless wonder, where he says, to, he says to his wife, Sarai, I want you to deal with Hagar. She's your servant. You can deal with her however you want. So Sarai, now put yourself in Sarai's shoes or her sandals. She treats Hagar really bad, but Hagar's been treating her bad. So it seems justified, right? Because that's how do-it-yourself works. Yeah, it is. So Sarai treated Hagar so bad that Hagar finally, she was abusive to her. Hagar finally ran away. She's still pregnant. She runs away with this baby. Way to go, Abram and Sarai. You guys are really, really fixing this problem, You're not patient enough to wait on God to do the impossible. So you insert yourself and you're just messing it up and messing it up and messing it up. You're just sin after sin after sin. Verse 7, the angel of the Lord found Hagar beside a spring of water in the wilderness. The angel said to her, Hagar, Sarai's servant, where have you come from and where are you going? It's a good question. She's like, I have no idea. I'm running away from my mistress, Sarai, she replied. And the angel of the Lord said to her, return to your mistress. And submit to her authority. Then he added, I will give you more descendants than you can count. Does that seem familiar to anybody? Should seem a little familiar. Now God is promising someone else a whole bunch of descendants. Verse 11 And the angel of the Lord said, You are now pregnant and will give birth to a son. You are to name him Ishmael, which means God hears, for the Lord has heard your cries of distress. This son of yours will be a wild man, as untamed as a wild donkey. That makes you want to have kids. He will raise his fist against everyone and everyone will be against him. Yes, he will live in open hostility against his relatives. Are you following? This is not the son God promised to Abram. This is not the son that Abram wants to have. He's just do DIY, I DIYing it? DIYing it. <laughs> I can't spell DIY. <laughs> this is not the son that is going to bless others. This son is going to be an untamed wild donkey and be hostile toward all of his families. This is not what you want. Yet you and I still have the ability to say, God, you're not doing things as fast or the way that I want you to. So I'm going to insert myself. I'm going to fix this. I'm going to make it the way I want it. And then we get an untamed donkey and we say, where is God now? So Hagar gave Abram a son, and Abram named him Ishmael. Abram was 86 scrappy years old when Ishmael was born. I'm sure that none of us are guilty of this, but this is a great picture here. God's covenant is exactly that it is God's covenant. It is not your covenant, it is not your miracle leave it alone. Don't mess it up. Just believe that God really is God and believe that he can and he will take care of it. Don't try to DIY it yourself. Are you with me? There are so many things in our families and our world to fix right now. We need God to fix those things. God does not need you to fix those things. Three, number three, story three a new name with God's covenant. Some of you that were raised in church thought I was going to say, a new name written down in glory, and it's mine. Oh, yes, it's mine. Na, 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 na. <laughs> My mom's watching on the internet, she's singing in her kitchen right now. The meaning of names was important in this cultural culture. Several times throughout Scripture, God changes a person's name because He was changing their identity. OK? Who they were. He was transforming them to something new. Got that in your brain? That's a whole Bible idea. We see it. Genesis chapter 17 verses 1 through 8. I'm going to skip a passage inside of uh, uh, chapter 17 because I'm going to pull it all together at the end. Okay? So if you think I'm skipping passages, oh, hold on to your britches. Uh, Genesis 17 verse 1. It says, When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said... I am El Shaddai, you say it, God Almighty. One of these days during worship service, we're going to get raptured. I promise you. It's going to happen. We're going to be singing about God Almighty and as poof, most of us are going to be gone. <laughs> When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, Abram, I am El Shaddai, God Almighty. Serve me faithfully and live a blameless life. I will make a covenant with you by which I will guarantee to give you countless descendants. God introduces himself as El Shaddai, God Almighty. God Almighty, Do you really believe that? Yes. Yes. An important part of understanding our identity in God is our understanding of God's identity. If we think of God as being less than almighty, then obviously we need to help pick up the slack. Are you with me? If we think of God as being less than Almighty, then obviously God needs my help. However, when we believe that God really, absolutely is El Shaddai, God Almighty, then we live with the humble confidence that God will do just exactly as he said he'll do. Do you see how that gives us confidence? I don't have to worry about tomorrow. I know who holds tomorrow. He is El Shaddai. He is almighty. Sweetheart, tomorrow is not going to fall apart unless God allows it to fall apart. The sky is falling. Not unless God lets it happen. Our belief in God changes how we behave Think about that for a second. Our belief in God changes how we behave. If we believe that God is not all powerful, then I need to give him my power too. If we believe that he is all powerful, then I can peacefully, confidently trust that God's got this. Our belief in God largely determines whether or not we will serve faithfully and live a blameless life. Because if we don't trust that he is El Shaddai, if we don't trust that he is all-powerful, then I'm going to DIY this myself. And that's when we get caught up in sin. If we believe God is almighty, we are more likely to serve him and live for him and not sin in the process of attempting to fix it ourselves. That's, That's... Eve was presented with the problem. What'd she do? She fixed it herself. Sin is introduced. Cain was presented with a problem. What'd he do? He fixed it himself. He killed his brother. Abram was presented with a problem in Egypt. What'd he do? Instead of trusting God, he fixed it himself. He lied about his wife. So now he's in trouble with God and his wife. Abram comes along. With Sarai, we have a problem. Sarai says, I can fix this, and we're in sin again. Verse three, at this, at this, Abram fell down on the ground. When God introduces himself as El Shaddai, God Almighty, he falls down, face down on the ground. Then God said to him, this is my covenant with you. I will make you the father of a multitude of nations. What's more, I am changing your name. I will no longer be a... It will no longer be Abram. Instead, you will be called Abraham, for you will be the father of many nations. I will make you extremely fruitful. Your descendants will become many nations, and kings will be among them. I will confirm my covenant with you and your descendants after you from generation to generation. This is the everlasting covenant. I will always be your God and the God of your descendants after you. Can you wrap your brain around that? And I will give the entire land of Canaan where you now live as a foreigner to you and your descendants. It will be their possession forever and I will be their God. God God changes Abram's name to Abraham. In short, God changes his name from exalted father to father of many nations. We often think of of Abram as just the father of the Hebrew nation of the Jewish people. But his his name means father of many nations. God's promise is to make Abram extremely fruitful. And God will be God over Abram's descendants as well. You are not just Abram. You are now Abraham. Now, as a parent, we don't want our our God, who we believe is God Almighty, to just be my God. I want my God to also be the God of my children. Amen? Amen? Because I believe that this is what is right, and this is what is good, and this is what is true. And I want my kids to live in that blessing. So I don't want God to just be my God. As a dad, I want my children to know El Shaddai. And God says, Abraham, I've got this. Not only do you not have descendants, but the descendants that you don't have that I'm going to give you, I'm going to be their God as well. That's pretty cool. Now, I'm skipping Verse 15, chapter 17. Then God said to Abram, regarding Sarai, your wife, her name will no longer be Sarai. From now on, her name will be Sarah. And I will bless her and give you a son from her. Yes, I will bless her richly. And she will become the mother of many nations. Kings of nations will be among her descendants. That's got to make every woman proud. I thought, uh, maybe not. Keep in mind, this is the woman, Sarah now, Sarai, this is the woman who 13 years previous was giving Abram do-it-yourself advice. I know it's just in the previous chapter, but it's 13 years previous. Sarai was the one telling Abram, the Lord hasn't done what he said he was going to do, so let's, we can figure out how to make this baby ourselves. Now God is changing her name and promising to bless this elderly woman with a son and with kings of nations that will be her descendants. Her name changed from, her name is not as dramatic of a, as a change, it just, she, he changed the spelling because it, it was spelled uh, from her origin in Ur to the local spelling and pronunciation in Canaan. So Sarah is princess, princess all over again in a new place. It's a new beginning. It's a new identity. We're, we're going to do this same but different. It is more than just a name change. Abram Abraham and Sarah have a hope, the hope of the glory of God being revealed in their lives. God says to them again, I will do this. I would like to say that every time they seem to believe more, but they don't. Sometimes they believe it all the way and then sometimes they don't believe it at all. So they're just as mixed up as you and I, right? We read the word of God. We read the promise of God. And one day we're like, yes, God's got this. And tomorrow we're like, I don't know where God is. That's why our faith is not in ourselves. Because if our faith is in ourselves, buddy, we are all in big trouble. Our faith is in the consistency of God. Our faith is in the covenant of God. Our, <laughs> the mark of God's covenant. Here we go. Yeah. Hmm. It's good stuff. All right. The covenant, the mark of God's covenant. I really wanted to just put the mark of the covenant because it's kind of a play on the ark of the covenant, but, anyways, it doesn't fit. Genesis chapter 17, verse 9 is where I'm at. Then God said to Abraham, Abraham, he says, Your responsibility is to obey the terms of the covenant. We don't know what those terms are yet. You and all your descendants have this continual responsibility. What is it, God? Verse 10 This is the covenant that you and your descendants must keep. Each male among you must be circumcised. You must cut off the flesh of your foreskin as a sign. Everyone say a sign. A sign of the covenant between me and you. God is speaking. Between God and you and I. Verse 12, from generation to generation, every male child must be circumcised on the eighth day after his birth. This applies not only to members of your family, but also to the servants born in your household and the foreign born servants whom you have purchased. While I'm reading that, I'm just thinking of so many things that we're glossing over about how God's covenant is made to all people. Verse 13, all must be circumcised. All must be circumcised. Your bodies will bear the mark of my everlasting covenant. Every one of those words are rich with importance. Your bodies will bear the mark of my, this is God's covenant, not your covenant. It's marked on your body, but it's God's covenant. Your bodies will bear the mark of my everlasting covenant. Verse 14, any male who fails to be circumcised will be cut off from the covenant family for breaking the covenant. Here's the deal. It is a mark on the body. Circumcision. It is a sign that you are in covenant with El Shaddai, with God Almighty, the creator of heavens and the earth, um, Elohim. I just like saying Greek words because I know two. It is a mark on your body that says you are in covenant with God. This is not to be mistaken. For some kind of DIY attempt. If I get circumcised, then now I belong to God. No, 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 no. God makes a covenant with you, and there's a mark that shows that. You don't get the mark and then say, here's the deal, here's the deal. I just thought of a better illust- another illustration. I have a better illustration than circumcision. You can go down and change your name to Hedden, it doesn't make you my son. Are you with me? You can, just because you're circumcised doesn't make you in covenant with God. But if you're in covenant with God, God says you will be circumcised. Now be careful with your, where your brain goes there because uh, we, we uh, have a tendency because we're humanistic in our own hearts. And we think about ourselves and what our contribution to our salvation is. And we think, well, if I get circumcised, then God's going to make, I'm going to be more acceptable to God. Did you keep up? You're not You're not. You're not more acceptable to God. You're never more acceptable to God. I'm just going to leave that there. Let you wrestle with that. This circumcision would be a ridiculous DIY thing to do. Paul clarifies the significance of circumcision in Romans chapter 4. I'm going to put this on the screen so that we see what this is. This is not a work salvation. That is a salvation that marks you. Circumcision, verse 11, was a sign. Everyone say, a sign. It's a sign that Abraham already had faith, and that God had already accepted him and declared him to be righteous even before he was circumcised. It's a sign, church. So Abraham is the spiritual father of those who have faith. Pardon me. Abraham is the spiritual father of those who have faith but have not been circumcised. I wasn't following the whole thing. Abraham is the spiritual father of those who have faith but have not been circumcised. They are counted as righteous because of their, what? Faith. It's not a works thing. It's a sign thing. Verse 12, and Abraham is also the spiritual father of those who have been circumcised, but only if they have the same kind of faith Abraham had before he was circumcised. Verse 13, clearly God's promise to give the whole earth to Abraham and his descendants was based not on his obedience to God's law, but on a right relationship with God that comes by faith. faith. What is your contribution? Lord, I believe. I believe that I can do nothing for my salvation, and you do everything more than I could ever ask or imagine. Our faith, church, is in God. It is in El Shaddai. It is in the God who is God Almighty. Our faith is in his eternal word, in his everlasting covenant, not our flesh, not our ability, not what we think. You and I do not need a do-it-yourself plan. We do not need a plan that is dependent upon our own wisdom and our own power because we're only 17 chapters into God's eternal word and we've proven over and over and over whenever it's put in our hands to do good, we don't. We don't want it in our hands. We're a failure. We intentionally do not put our confidence in our flesh or our own ability. That is whenever we, when we intentionally put our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, for him to do his work of salvation as he sees fit by his own work, by his own power, by his own wisdom, that is a sign of our faith. That is the mark of God's circumcision, God's covenant in us. Whenever we do not rely on the flesh, but we rely completely on God, even no matter how impossible or miraculous it seems, we say, Lord, I trust with all my heart to the point of peace. I like that. I trust you to the point of peace that you hold not only Monday in your hand, but you hold Tuesday in your hand. What's he saying? You figure it out. Right? Yep. To the point of peace, I put my faith in El Shaddai, not in, not in Brent, oh Lord help us, not in the leadership of mankind, but I surrender myself completely Complete to the the Lord Jesus Christ, to God who is all powerful. We put our trust in God, in God alone for his glory, not our own. But Brent, what if I don't get what I want? Sweetheart, you don't want what you want. And God knows that. That's why we give ourselves to him. Whenever my kids said, I want to try your horseradish. Like, no, you don't. Huh, Bethany. She's, she's listening. She's like, I remember that. I want to try your horseradish. So you give them a spoon of horseradish. And all of a sudden, they realize that what they wanted is not what they wanted. Church, what you want is not what you want. What we want is the glory of God in our lives because he has something so much greater for us. So we put our trust in him. And we put our, our, our trust is in his covenant that he is going to complete the work that he began in us. That is so good. God has made a covenant with you and I to bring us into a right relationship with himself. This covenant is completely through the promised descendant of Abraham and Sarah. That descendant is Jesus. God's glorious and eternal covenant with mankind, with you and I, it is completed. It is finished, so to say. It is not by our works. It is not by to our credit. It is only because God is truly and absolutely God almighty. He alone is the God above all gods. He alone is our God and our savior and our confidence is completely in him. We can live tomorrow and the day after and whatever comes afterwards with our eyes fixed on the author and the perfecter of our faith. Because if we take our eyes off of El Shaddai and we start to look at all the DIY opportunities, we will lose focus You will lose your peace. You will fall into sin. We keep our eyes fixed on Jesus because he paid it all for you and I. Let's stand together and bow our heads and pray. Father, Father, I love your word. My confidence is in the scriptures that guide us to an all-powerful, almighty God. You are God Almighty, this morning we come grateful to be your children and at the same time humbled by your glory, by your perfection, by your beauty, and knowing that you have promised you have made a covenant based on your eternal character and nature to bring that beauty and that perfection into our lives. And that, and that by believing in you, you will count it as righteousness, your righteousness, so that we can be your children, so that we can be in your presence, so that we can be acceptable to you. Because it is only by your work, your promise, your covenant, your son, Jesus Christ, that we can be acceptable to you. Father, I pray that you would forgive us for our lack of faith when we fail. But Father, I praise you that you are consistent when we are not. And we trust that even when we fail, you are still the God of our salvation. We continue to trust in you. We continue to believe that you alone are the one who completes our salvation. We surrender ourselves wholly and completely to you. Lord, I pray that in this week following, that you will help all believers to focus their attention upon the Lord Jesus Christ and not on the chaos of this world. Lord, I pray that the mark that they see on us is the mark of your covenant to bring us into the full likeness of Christ and not a mark of an unbeliever, but the mark of a child of God, a mark of one who puts their confidence in an almighty God. Father, give us peace and give us confidence. Give us courage as we go forward as a nation. And Lord, I pray that that even in a time of slavery, that you would continue to be glorified in the lives of those who follow you. Lord, we ask with all humility, With all humbleness in our hearts, we ask that you be glorified in your people. We celebrate you, and you are wonderful. You are great. You truly are the mighty one. We love you, and we give you all glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You have been listening to the Desert Heights Church Weekly Message. We meet on Sunday mornings at 1030 a.m. on Main Street in Farmington, New Mexico. If you'd like more information, please visit our website at desertheightschurch.com.